We're back. Thanks for tuning in. Just had a great conversation with Franklin Graham, son of Billy. And we're moving along. Keith Thibodeau first came to national attention as the drum-playing son of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz on the now classic I Love Lucy show. I think this might be him playing drums in the background, maybe. Hailed as a child prodigy, Keith started drumming at the age of two. His abilities led him to a national tour at the age of three, starring role as little Ricky Ricardo in various acting stints on television, including The Andy Griffith Show, Route 66, Shirley Temple Playhouse, Hazel, and many, 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 many more. Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball discovered Keith and hired him for the starring role as little Ricky Ricardo because he looks so much like Desi. It's got an must get nice hair. Did he have the accent too? Yeah, the accent too. <laughs> you just sound like the guy from Birdcage, the the, the butler, yes. <laughs> the guy who's uh, from Lucy. the Simpsons. What's that guy's name? Who play, uh, does uh, all the voice in the Simpsons? The Hank. Guy with the is it Hank? Area. Yeah, there it is. Anyway, <clears throat> so much more to chat about with this gentleman. It's amazing how many people are still crazy about I Love Lucy. It's a seminal show. It like it's a. It's a benchmark. But people are crazier now about I Love Lucy than they were back then. It's retro, bro. (laughs) Wow. You need to print a shirt that says that. It's retro, bro. Keith Thibodeau on the Drew Marshall Show. Keith, are you in, uh, where the heck are you, by the way? I know you're in the south somewhere where uh, you guys wrap your Bible in your flags. Where you at? Drew, I am actually in Lafayette, Louisiana at my mother's home. You're at your mother's home? That's so nice. Yeah. I'm visiting her because uh, I don't see her often, and so I got to get some good food down here. <laughs> what kind of? What do you have? Like chitlins and collard, no, collard greens? No, 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 and... no, no, man. Nothing, nothing like that. It's more like Mississippi. That's where I'm. That's where I live in Mississippi. But my wife and I have lived there for 40 years. But now uh, I have to come to Lafayette every once in a while and get some of the home cooking of like crawfish, as you say, uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Crawf- that, that you don't have you don't have that up there. No, but I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry about it. No, <laughs> crawfish. Ugh. I mean, crawfish are the crazy critters that uh, grab onto your toe when you're walking through the creek, right? Yeah, you guys. You guys actually call them crayfish, and then when you say crayfish, we know exactly where you're from, so you, then you're not really privy to the crawfish. <laughs> no, no, but it, they just seem like a lot of work. There can't be a lot of flesh in those things. It's like eating uh, really bony fish. It's gross. Oh, man, it's delicious. It's, oh, it's a delicacy. It's stop a delicacy. It. <laughs> well, what's it like? What's it like being the Steve Gadd of "I Love Lucy"? Huh? Come on. Oh well, don't put me in the same category as Gadd. He's 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 pretty he's he's, he's a great drummer. Um, yeah. I you know it it's it's amazing that that I I've had so many different lives, you know, and, and like, you know, you play David and the Giants and then you mention Isla Lucy and you mentioned Andy Griffith and um I I've just done a lot of different things and, and I've I've always played the drums. Uh, ever since I can remember I started on trash cans in the backyard uh in Bunky, Louisiana and uh a neighbor heard me and, and and said, you need to buy your son a, a set of drums. And so my dad got me a toy drum, and and then it just one thing led to another. And 
but in, he- fact, uh, in fact, in fact, the town that I'm in right now, it, it's a town that Horace Height, who had a big band in the uh, 1950s. Yeah, that's the ones you. Uh, that's the guy you tour, or the, the 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 people you toured with for 500 bucks a week. You and your dad got paid. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, but I was actually here in Lafayette when I'm visiting my mother. Um, they, they still have the place. It's called Blackham Coliseum, and it's a a place that he actually saw me when I was like four years old. And then, uh, and then a couple weeks later, they were in North Carolina on tour and he called and, and asked us to join the show, asked my dad to join the show, quit his job at, at the, at the, wherever he was working and, and come on the road with, uh, with the, with the show. So that kind of started my, my entertainment life, I guess, when I was four years old. That's ridiculous. So never, never really took lessons. Started drumming at the age of four years old. I, you know, I, I guess the thing that I, I got to figure out is, you know, was your dad like the Michael Jack? Did he go to the Michael Jackson's dad school of parenting? You know what I mean? Was he a little uh, Joseph, Joseph Jackson? Joseph Jackson. Was he a little? Uh, yeah. Wait, hold on. Is your dad still alive? No, he's not. Uh, God rest his soul. He uh, he died at, at the age of eighty-three. Oh my goodness! How long ago was that? Uh, 19, let's see, no, excuse me, 2010. Okay, all right. But you know what I mean? I mean, you were, you were a child star, and you were the drummer, little drummer boy, and you were, I don't know, I kind of got the feeling like your dad was all up in your business. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I don't think it started out like that, Drew. I, th- I, th- I think that it was, you know, he was just kind of a normal guy, but he, he did have a lot of, uh, interest in entertainment, Hollywood, and, and all that. And, and well, what, what was his fact, nickname? Uh, I think they called him Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I think they called him Hollywood. Yeah, he, he, was, he was definitely, um, you know, once, once we got into the, the business, it, it was like a drug to my dad, and he just really, this was his passion, and it wasn't my passion. No, so much as his passion. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you think Hollywood? Oh, this is uh, this is a bit of a grandiose statement. So just let it fly by if you don't think there's any connection here. But do you think Hollywood had a detrimental impact on your parents' marriage? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, you, you put a person like my dad or anybody that was you know, that was really excited about Hollywood and you get him in that situation and there's, there's, there's umpteen different ways you can compromise yourself in different ways. Yeah. And that's one of them. You know, he, 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 uh, had an affair with a, a young lady from another studio and I was oldest of six kids. And so, uh, that was, uh, that was the breaking up of our family when I was like 14 years old. I knew about it. And it was something that I had to keep hidden because I knew that if I said anything about it, my mother and dad would get a divorce. Well, one Christmas, we're over at a store shopping, and we're shopping for my younger brothers and sisters. And my mother uh, found a, a letter in the, uh, the glove box of the car, and it was a letter that was addressed to my dad and, and his the girlfriend. And that just, you know, I was like 14 or 15 years old, and it was like, my whole world just crashed, man. Uh, big, big time, man. And it was, it was horrible, you know. And anybody who goes through 
that kind of situation, uh, a family divorce. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's go through the whole Lucy stuff and get that out of the way. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Okay. All right, we'll All right. to, uh, so you, you get the audition. Lucy says something like, sure, he's cute, but what can he do? And then you hit the skins, and then Desi joins you, and and that was yeah. it, right? Yeah, he he um, he recognized, uh, you know, that, that, that I had something. I looked like him at the time, too, so that was... That was part of the uh, part of my uh, draw uh, to them, and uh, the fact that I played the drums was like, wow, you know, this kid actually plays the drums. Let's yeah. let's uh, let's do something with this kid, you know. <laughs> so so you know, it, it was I, I became part of their family, their extended family, and um, was was one of those few people that were allowed to play with their kids. Um, so I got an idea of what they were like when they were at home. And yeah, but people keep asking you about Lucy and Desi, but you, you were a kid. Like, how much recall do you really have? Well, when you're part of a family like that, you and, I, and that's what I really kind of was, was part of their extended family. You, you see and get to know them, and I mean, obviously you're not going to get to know them in the depths of how an adult can understand another adult, but... You can still see the things that that make up a person, you know. Yeah. Um, Lucille Ball, everybody loves, but I would not have wanted to be married to her. You know what I mean? Well, I understand completely where you're coming from. She she was a uh, a very I mean I, I describe her as a very passionate, very. Um, very serious, no no nonsense kind of person. Who uh, I actually got along with with Lucy very well, but I, I I think I actually appreciated Desi more than I did Lucy. Sure. Uh, you know, he was more of a I could identify with more things from Desi than I could with Lucy. You know, he was a drummer, he was a musician, he was from another country. He had a he had an accent. I was from. Louisiana, I was a Cajun boy, and so there was, I had, I had a weird last name, you know, and, and it's like they have to change my last name, Thibodeau, to accommodate, you know, the Anglo-Saxon society, you know, it yeah. wasn't, they didn't know much about how to pronounce Thibodeau. No, no, and then the next thing, you know, you're almost a member of the Rolling Stones. Uh, that's right, Richard Keith, yeah, exactly, Keith Richards. <laughs> Sorry, my yeah, I get I get I get mistaken with him all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. Says, are you are you that pirate guy? What yeah. you know, man? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. No, I just I mean I guess and here's the goofy thing about the whole celeb world or whatever. You know, I remember apologize first time I had Kathy Lee Gifford on the show. I I spent like ten minutes apologizing to her for judging her. Uh, simply as an outsider, simply from watching her on TV, simply from reading the headlines. Like I just. We, we outsiders, we common people, just sit back and have this little, oh, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be married to her kind of doofusy comments. But she just seemed a little wound up for me, you know? I, I, uh -huh. Maybe that maybe it was the Philip Morris cigarettes that got her going. Oh, I mean, you're talking about Lucy? Yeah, Lucy. I mean, she, well, believe me, you didn't want to mess with her if, if you know, she was a no-nonsense kind of person, expected people to have their lines, you know, ready to go and, 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 and you had to be professional. And and she told the the, the crew, you know, that there was no no cussing around me. And 
uh, you know, they, they protected me a lot uh, as, a, as a child well, that's in, good. In, the early, in the early years, so that was good. And they were more of, you know, they, they, they were stars. So they had their own thing that they were trying to, you know, bolster up. And it was an interesting show that had a few interesting characters on there who fit like a puzzle. Yeah. And that became the Alan Lucy show. Okay, so you become kind of good friends with with her and Desi's kids, and and uh, by the way, speaking of that, what was the coolest house of all of their houses that you hung out in and played in, and you know, play hide and go seek and stuff like that? What was what was the coolest house? Oh gosh, dude! I mean, uh, every one of their homes w- was amazing. I mean, the, from the Beverly Hills home to uh, uh, the Del Mar home to to the ranch in Corona. To uh, the Palm Springs home, but I think the Palm Springs home was probably the most interesting. It was more uh, like really modern, and I kind of liked that. And it was, in fact, it was the first place that I ever saw a microwave, and it was like it was like back in nineteen I don't know what it was sixty four or sixty five or maybe maybe earlier than that. But I, I thought that was so cool. It was almost like I was at Tomorrowland at Disney World or something. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, think. I mean, you must think back to those great moments and great times where you get served up a nice cup of or a nice mug of hot Ovaltine, and you get a little back rub by Lucy, you know. And she was just kind of like a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, second mom kind of thing. I don't know. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was. It, it was. It was a. It. It was funny because, you know, my my father. Um, uh, he really, he really wanted me to believe that I was really their child, you know, in order to bring the part across. Um, so th- there had to be that that kind of connection, and and I think that that uh, you know Lucy and Desi they they took to me and and like like we talked about, you know, invited me to their homes, and I spent weekends with them, you know, watching first runs. Of, uh, of the movies and uh, and, and Lucy's Lanai and and it was just uh, that was our normal life, you know. When I well, it was normal when I went to Beverly Hills, but it wasn't normal for me coming from the San Fernando Valley. No, those are those are two totally different cultures, man. Yeah, the life that I had in the valley was completely different from when I went over the hill to Beverly Hills. Yeah. So that was a whole. It was like I had to be schizophrenic. <laughs> Yep. Well, you fit into Hollywood nicely. Um, <laughs> so you and Desi, you and Desi Junior, you know, the real kid, are pals. But you're playing him on a show with his parents. The, I mean, your psychologist or psychiatrist or your shrink, whoever it was, must have had a heyday with that whole setup. I, it, it was it was strange. I'll grant you that. I mean, for Desi, probably. Probably more so than for me because uh, at least I was kind of in the spotlight at the time, and it was like he should have been, you know. Yeah. And he wasn't, and then later on, he obviously entered the spotlight in a, in a different way. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Hey, do you remember? Because now, I mean, rumor has it that you're. Uh, rumor has it. I know exactly what I'm talking about. There's no rumors. You're. You are a big Jesus guy now. We're going to talk about your spiritual stuff in just a second, but think back. Mm -hmm. I want you to think back. I want you to go way back. I'm just going to swing a little watch in front of you, back and forth, back and forth. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. You know too much, Drew. I think that's that's the that's the thing. You, 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 okay, go ahead. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you received the help of hypnosis to help you remember your lines and not stutter in front of a live studio. Aud- I mean, things were getting things were getting to you, man, and you were screwing up. And the, it's not like today yeah. the way they could edit stuff today or whatever. And and, and the hypnosis, I mean, now that you're a Jesus guy, do you look back and go, ooh, I got, you know, Satan crawled inside of me because of hypnosis? I don't know. Whatever people think about that stuff. What do you think about the whole hypnosis thing? You know, I, I think it's definitely, anytime you put your your mind in, in neutral and allow whatever to come into your mind, or I think I think you lended yourself to possible different spirits coming and entering in. I mean, that could happen with anything. You know, you put yourself into a, a certain situation, you know, you, you can open your drugs is one of them, you know. You, that's like an open door type of thing that lets other bad, a bad spirit in, mm-hmm. potentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, the whole hypnosis thing, um, you know, I, I categorize that as being, you know, in, in the occultic um, world. uh you know, it's pretty. It's pretty uh, um, benign, I, I suppose, by today's standards of things, because psychiatrists do it all the time. Uh, at least they used to. I don't know anything about psychiatrists. I never went to them. But um, hypnosis is is part of that legion of different things that that uh, the the Bible really tells us not to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seances, things like that. Lucy participated in seances. She participated in the ESP experiments and things, which which I was all very um, very interested in as a kid. Before I became uh, became a Christian, my life was totally into into the supernatural, but the wrong supernatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're also not to worship idols, but you and George Reeves, you know, that was a heck of a meeting. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was he was just a great guy. What a great guy. He loved kids. Tim, do you he know? Loved... Hold on. I want to ask my... my uh, Village idiot. My village idiot here, if you know what we're talking about. Superman. Yeah, like the original... The original, yeah. The original tidy whitey Superman. Tidy whiteys It was it was tights and, tights, and underwear. And... Okay, all right. Yeah. They were pulled up high, yeah, though. He... His waistline was really high. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had a super he, guy. But, but he, you know, by today's whatever, you know... He, he he was the real super guy for for the people that grew up in our generation. He was he was the original Superman. Yeah, and and, and totally nice guy. And, I, and there's even I know that there's a um, he's got a bit of a, a mystery about his death and all that. In fact, my dad told me when um, when he died, he knew that you know I really I really loved George. You know I loved. The Superman character. I used to jump off houses with capes with my friends and stuff. And how'd that work? Do all that stuff. <laughs> well, not not too well, but uh, but at least I, I got into it. You know, yeah. it was like okay, ah, uh, okay, I'm great. I'm get up. Um, but but George, uh, you know, he died, and uh, under suspicious 
situation, uh, I guess it was a suicidal thing, but, but my dad said he slipped on a bar of soap in the shower because he just didn't want me to be affected by that. So I said, how did Superman slip on a bar of soap in the shower, you know? <laughs> I knew he was an actor, but, but in my kid mind, I wanted to believe, you know, this guy is really who he says he is. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, folks, we're listening. We're listening. We're chatting with Keith Thibodeau. Keith Thibodeau. He uh, played little Ricky Ricardo on I Love Lucy. He's a killer drummer, and there's so much more to chat about, and we're going to chat about it. By the way, every time I say little Ricky to you, Keith, I mean, it just feels weird. It's just, <laughs> it just feels schmaltzy. Okay. I don't know. It feels weird. <laughs> Keith Thibodeau played little Ricky Ricardo and I Love Lucy. Um, (laughs) You really began to enjoy acting, uh, but you weren't an actor. But acting didn't continue for you, and that was a good thing, right? Because then you didn't end up like, uh, what you talking about, Willis? You know, all that kind of stuff. Well, exactly, yeah. I I, I feel feel blessed that, that, um, I mean, even through the circumstances of my parents' divorce, that we moved back to Louisiana, and things actually got worse once we got to Louisiana. But I think he would have gotten, um, you know, pretty much um, really, really bad had I stayed in, in California and continued on that track with what I was in to over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pals with a lady named Candace Cameron Burray who played DJ in Full House, and her life didn't tank, and Kirk Cameron's life didn't tank. So and mm-hmm. you're and you're you're a Jesus guy, and so your life wouldn't have tanked, man. You'd be you were fine. Well, I, you know, I was fine uh, up to a point. Uh, like after my parents divorced, um, I was we were, I was raised Catholic, and so um, and that's where my orientation was is in Christianity, and, um, and and so after my parents divorced, we moved back to Louisiana, and we. Uh, I just basically left the Catholic Church, um, left uh, religion. I, I felt as it was really not giving me anything, and I began to get into the drugs and the and, and all the, the music scene that was going on in the late sixties. So uh, I met a group called David of the Giants, which were a group that was based in Mississippi, and they had some things they recorded with Muscle Shoals sound and mm. uh, uh, up there and, and Capitol Records, United Artists, uh, some regional hits, even some hits that, that hit Northern England called the Northern Soul or the UK, the Northern Soul team. Um, but uh, as time went on with this, I had a friend here in Lafayette that I'm, I'm, I'm in this town right now, but, but I had a friend uh, who ended up in a mental institution who we used to do the same drugs and all that. And so I was sort of like on the run. And, and as I got on the run, it just seemed to keep, keep catching up with me. I got more depressed and more, more suicidal in my thoughts. And, and, uh, and I, I brought in all kind of different, you know, we talked about hypnosis and all that. Well, I brought in all kind of different, um, books on, on Satan and, and, uh, dated a witch, uh, down on the coast in Mississippi, and, and that's a this, really, uh, really heartless way to describe an ex-girlfriend. Okay, that's not cool. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, not, not that kind of witch. Okay, he was, but but anyway, so so it was just a, a bad uh, circle of spiritual darkness that I that I was in, and and uh, and my mother invited me to a meeting in um, here in Louisiana, 
And it was at this meeting that I, I had a vision of Jesus, and my life completely radically changed. I was this, I was this hippie guy that was playing music and going to, to these uh, meetings in the country, and it was actually a Catholic charismatic meeting uh, with a bunch of old ladies. <laughs> and I was like, "What? What am I doing?" It's like this is crazy. But I had an experience there that was really like an atom bomb that that really when it came, it blew up in my life that I needed to sort of wake me up. Cause I was on this, this, I, I think had that not happened, I would have been either dead or in a mental institution. And so, um, Jesus came into my life, the Bible opened up to me and, and it wasn't a religious thing. It was a very, uh, it was more of a supernatural thing, really. And so I, I went back to the guys in the band and told them about Jesus, and I said, you know, there's more to God than what men have led us to believe, guys. And uh, I said, we need to start playing different kind of music, change the words to this rock music, and, and, and use, uh, use more godly lyrics. And so they looked at me, and they just they said, are you, are you for real, man? I mean, <laughs> what, 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 what's wrong with you? Are you on some kind of drug? And I said, no, man. I said, Jesus is real. He, he, he's really who he says he is. And so from that point on, I began to uh, read the Bible and began to see things in there that, that led me out of the Catholic Church in, for different, various reasons. And um, my life just went on a different plane completely. And I began to uh, witness to people more and more, and, and David and the Giants, Every one of the guys in the band uh, became Christians eventually, huh. and so that was that was a miracle in itself. And then um, later on, we became a Christian band in the 1980s and began to play some of the earlier Christian stuff. Actually, it was in the 70s we, we started. But so, what a life! I mean, look—that's the obvious statement. You've had such a crazy life, uh, and I, I'm glad that book came out. Uh, life after Lucy, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Yes, uh, Life After Lucy was published back in 1994, so yeah. a, a couple of updates. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, think about all the impact uh, that certain people have had in your life. I mean, Andy Griffith, Don Knotts, Ron Howard, Lucille Ball, mm-hmm. Desi Arnaz, Jesus Christ. One of those well, names would, is not would, like the other I, names. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely not put Jesus in that, in that category. No. <laughs> George Reeves. Yeah. Not even George. No. No. Well, I I want to... uh, I've watched a number of interviews that you've done. I kind of... You know, obviously, it's my job to creep on you before I interview you. And uh, and I really like... You have a real gentle soul about you. Um, You have a real graciousness about you. And I don't know if you were always like this, but... Whatever kind of mix happened to make you the way you are today, I'm sure you're going to go. I give all the praise to God. You know, I'm sure you're going to say that. But um, well, well, I mean, it really. I mean, everybody has a personality, but but when you're born again, you you really do become a new creature. And everybody throws around that that term "born again." Yeah, it's like I, it's like I'm I am a different creature than I was. You know, I'm, I'm still me, but I'm a different creature so it, it's it's really a it, it's a i don't know man you know what i'm talking about don't yeah. you yeah well i've heard of it yeah <laughs> um all right listen let's let's wrap this up with and by the way i want to let everyone know here's a website you want to check out it's uh 
Ballet Mag- Magnificat. Uh, I'm not yep. quite sure if that's how you yep. pronounce it, but balletmagnificat.com. And you got to explain, I mean, how do you, we're running out of time here, but how do you concisely explain this ballet that you're involved with? Are you not executive director? Yeah. Uh, the ballet, uh, Ballet Magnificat is, is, uh, is a ballet that my wife and I, who is he's a ballet dancer, we, we started and founded in 1986. And really, simply put, uh, we saw in the Bible, because we try to do everything biblically, and we try to we try to not do anything that's unbiblical. But we saw that well, you you could praise praise the Lord with music, and you could also praise Him with the dance. So we saw in Psalm one forty nine that hey, it says to praise His name with the dance. So let's let's do that. Let's use this ballet thing, you know, to use for the glory of God. And so uh, Ballet Magnificat now two companies, professional companies that tour all over the all over the nation and internationally we have a company now that's in uh, Europe and touring the Mediterranean area. We, uh, we have a, an advanced company that just recently went to Honduras and Mexico. We have uh, a company we started in Brazil called Ballet Magnificat Brazil that's in, based in Curitiba, Brazil. Um, and we have a school of the arts as well back in Jackson and uh, training program as well, professional training program, which trains about 40 dancers from all over the U.S. and, and uh, the world. So, um, it's time for you to slow down. Like, just retire already, will you? Seriously. <laughs> I don't believe in retiring, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbiblical, man. You can't retire. Okay. That is unbiblical. No, you're supposed to burn out for Jesus. Is that right? <laughs> you, you're so, yeah, I'm just going to just walk till I stop and walk till I drop. That's it. Well, I wish we had time for you to tell this story, but let me concisely wrap this interview with the time that you visited Lucy on one of her birthdays. And uh, it's such an interesting story. You can find it online. You talk about it at, uh, I think it's the Emmy Legends website. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there you, you go and visit her, and she's there by herself on her birthday. And But she just she just really, really had a long-term affection for you. And so did the creepy fans stalking her house still at that point in time, you know. <laughs> they're, they're banging on your car window going, who are you? Who are you? I'm little Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Crazy. It was, a, it was a crazy story. Yeah. It was a crazy story. Well, Keith, I wish you the best, man. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on the show. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'd love to see this ballet Magnificat get up to Canada, by golly. So get, get up here, will you? Well, we've been to Ottawa, so. Yeah, that, do, that doesn't count. That does not count. That's, <laughs> that's just like politicians there, you know. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Keith, en- you. enjoy your weekend, man. Really good to talk to you. Hey, blessings, man. Thanks, thanks so much. All right. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Keith Thibodeau, ladies and gentlemen, played little Ricky Ricardo on I Love Lucy. That's kind of cool. I like that.